What's going on, NFL football fans? This is the NFL All 32 podcast presented by Football Game Plan and the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. David Hassagan here, as always, with Troy Anthony, Alex Marinoni, and the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Gentlemen, good morning to you all. It's actually afternoon now. It's getting, it's, we're getting, we're losing minutes here, losing minutes. They're burning daylight, man, as Coach used to say. Burning daylight, and I wish we had some daylight. It is cold, it is rainy, it is miserable, but it's starting to feel a bit like playoff football here in the Northeast, folks. But can we get at least some sunlight? That would be great. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, some controversy, some benchings, some uh, winners and losers. We'll get to that as we go through. We had some off-field stuff that we got to talk about because we'd be remiss not to talk about it. But let's start with the scores from Week 11. Let's talk about just what happened on the field in terms of football to start with with Thursday night the Browns get another win they're starting to click 21-7 over the Pittsburgh Steelers four interceptions for Cleveland there you go that's the story the defense stepped up did a great job in turning the ball over from Mason Rudolph and they're four and six now and they still have an outside shot they're in the hunt as we put the graphic up on the side of the screen. They're in the hunt. That's all you can ask for if you're, if you're the Cleveland Browns. And the Pittsburgh Steelers starting to slip away. Maybe a quarterback situation that they may need to make a change there. Um, Lamar Jackson is a cheat code. We thought this might be the game of the week. They switched away from this game on the broadcast. Baltimore crushes Houston 41-7. to Do we need to say anything else? Baltimore rolled in this one, getting their fourth straight win. Their, no, more than that. More than actually. that. They, they, yeah, they won six, a, six straight win. They uh, started off two and two. Yeah, two and two, right? Two and two, and, and then they, they're what? Eight and two. Eight right? and two. Yeah. Six, six straight, straight win. win. Yeah, yeah six straight win from the Reds. Math checks out. <laughs> Math checks out. Rolls in this one. I mean, <laughs> I, I want to trademark Pat in this right now. Sticks. Lamar Jackson sticks because it's like you're playing Madden with this guy. He's ridiculous. Well, well what was the uh, what was the word? Was it Lamarkable? Was that what Lamarkable? The... Lamarvelous. Lamarvelous. It's been. And he had a banana for a snack on the sideline. That's when you know you're getting rolled. The Falcons, though, speaking of teams that are picking up the momentum, Falcons 29-3 over the Panthers. Maybe Carolina may want to rethink of who their next quarterback will be, and Atlanta has started to figure things out. Yeah, exactly on that first point. Uh, I wonder if everybody's still singing that we should trade Cam Newton and Kyle Allen's team. Um, because this, But this Atlanta Falcons team, back-to-back weeks, showed that last week wasn't a fluke. After the bye week, they made their adjustments, and they're rolling through the NFC South now. The Lions tried to uh, mess with the Cowboys' voodoo a little bit. They wore their white jerseys at home for the first time since 1970. Didn't help. Cowboys win 35-27. Dak Prescott steps up with a big win again. The Cowboys still holding serve in the NFC East. Yeah, he's definitely in the conversation for MVP. I was also impressed with Jeff Driscoll and how he played in this ball game. Gave his team a shot. So that was a tougher game than than uh, expected for the Cowboys. But Dak Prescott is playing phenomenal football. Nice comeback win for the Colts in Indianapolis. They tamed the Jaguars 33-13. 264 rushing yards for the Colts as a team. That's their most since 2004. Indianapolis still very much in the playoff conversation. Yeah, this was a game of total opposites in this one. I mean, uh, you got Brissett coming in, guy who replaced the franchise quarterback getting the job done. You got the Jaguars who signed the franchise quarterback, doesn't get it done. You got the Jaguars who have been dominating on the run, get away from it early. And you got the Colts absolutely dominating the run with this one minnesota uh excuse me miami taking on the buffalo bills miami all the hope they've won two in a row here comes buffalo and they crush the hopes and dreams 37 20 the buffalo bills get a much needed win they're now at seven and three yeah absolutely must needed win um they're now they're still in control of their destiny when it comes to the wild card and hey 
they're just two games out of the AFC East title right here. So uh, it'll make it fun down the stretch. But they're doing what they have to do. They're uh, winning the games that they need to win. And finally, Josh Allen puts together a complete game with probably his best start of his career. Do we believe in Kirk Cousins yet? <laughs> How about now? Vikings come from behind 20 points down to the Denver Broncos to win 27-23. to They're now 8-3 on the season. Broncos still just can't hang on. Got to give some credit, though, don't you? Yeah, the, the p- touchdown pass he threw to Diggs was a thing of beauty because he scrambled out to his left, set up, and just fired it deep down the field, hit him in stride. And you like how he's starting to, to start to play with that confidence. He's not playing scary ball anymore. And that's been the biggest difference for them. You also have to give credit to the Denver Broncos because – Outside of maybe Mike Tomlin, you look at Vic Fangio and what he's done with this Broncos team, they're competitive. I mean, we're talking about a team that had a 20-point lead against the Minnesota Vikings. So they did a great job in in playing, and they played well for him. They just couldn't finish. Uh, Brandon Allen, I thought, did a good job down the stretch. And um, maybe they probably should have handled the last 40 seconds of that game differently. Um, But they had a shot to win, and that's all you can ask for. New Orleans State's Saints started looking like looking like the New Orleans Saints again. Words are hard. They take a big <laughs> win though against Tampa Bay, 34-17. The turnovers continue for Jameis Winston. What is it? 18 interceptions now in 10 games. It's not looking good. Yeah, I mean the Saints bounce back big in this one. I like the I like their uh, the spread of their running game here. Uh, Kamara had 13 carries. Latavius Murray, who dominated in Kamara's absence, had 10 carries. We know that they're running back by committee. When that gets going, the Saints get going. We've seen it with Ingram and Kamara over the past few seasons, and we've seen it in this one. And yeah, Jameis Winston is just. I mean, I killed this guy in the beginning of the season, and it looked like Arians and him had it under control. And when it's all said and done, Jameis reverts back to being Jameis. The kings of the NFC East, the New York football Jets, they win again 3-1 against the NFC East after they beat the Redskins 34-17. Good week for Darnold, looked pretty good. Not so good for Dwayne Haskins, who was crying for any kind of help from his teammates in this one. Yeah, well, I, I mean, this answered my question from last week on which team is worse, and I can't believe how how bad of an organization the Washington Redskins look yeah, right now. Yeah, it's not now. just the team. Yeah, it's all from top to bottom. And uh, and watching the game when the Jets had this in hand, just watching Dwayne Haskins, I mean, he, he missed some throws, but... There is. You're just looking around. You're like, this guy needs some help. He's screaming at his offensive lineman, "What can I do to help you?" And they're just blank stares. Are just the response. It looks like nobody there wants to wants to be there, and it's uh, and it's really going to take effect on their young quarterback. Redskins certainly looking like a number one overall pick potentially now. 49ers big comeback against Arizona. They win 36-26. Jimmy Garoppolo continues to be an effective game manager. He's not blowing people away on the stat sheet. But he's winning football games. The Niners now nine and one. Yeah, they're nine and one. Their defense is doing a great job, but it just seems like Arizona has their number as yep. far as like they know how to move the football against San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Every other team has had issues outside of Arizona. Kyler Murray is still trekking in the right direction. Yes, any defensive help, they are going to be a problem moving forward. So shout out to San Francisco. Jimmy Garoppolo, that last pass found the best matchup running back on a defensive end. Yep. That's a matchup you take every time. You <laughs> threw that football accurately, touchdown, uh, to, to win the ball game. And if you're a betting person, the worst backdoor cover oh. <laughs> on the end of that game. Minus 10 was the line, and a fumble recovery on the final play for a touchdown. <laughs> Just 
Ow. Uh, Oakland taking on the Bengals. This was kind of a, a it was kind of an ugly game, but a good defensive struggle. Uh, Max Crosby, good game for him. Four sacks in this one for Oakland. Uh, the Raiders get the win 17-10. Bengals still searching for that first win. Yeah, Crosby had the four sacks. That was the first time for the Raiders since Khalil Mack back in 2015. I remember this was, him. <laughs> <laughs> this is an ugly win for the Raiders. I mean, very ugly. Only winning by seven points against a winless Cincinnati mm-hmm. team. I thought that this was going to be a statement game for Oakland. They turned the ball over two times. They had two turnovers in the previous four games combined but this is one of those where going into next week for Oakland you got to look at the tape see what you did wrong and you're going to have to get that changed because the Jets aren't going to allow you the same opportunities that the Bengals did Eagles taking on the Patriots the rematch of the you know that incredible Super Bowl and this was an interesting one the Eagles went out to a 10-0 lead looked like they were in control here comes New England. They win 17-10, but five of the last six matches between these two teams have been decided by one possession. This is turning into a pretty good rivalry. It is, and uh, you got to give Bill Belichick and company credit. They make the adjustments. They just better than anybody in this in anybody's ever done. Yep. Um, they take care of business uh, in a defensive struggle for the most part. Carson Wentz missed a lot of throws at the end of the game there, um, but still put his team in position to tie this game. And a tough play for Aguilar. would have been nice for him to come down with that, but just came yeah. up short. This is the third game that he dropped a ta- game-tying touchdown late. And all the memes of that guy from the fire from oh, earlier in the season were <laughs> popping up everywhere on Twitter after that one. I don't think he's getting any more free tickets, though. Granted, I will say this is <laughs> the hardest of the three catches. Yes. That I, yeah, was, yeah, there was a floater was at the top. He, he looked yeah. like he was trying to do the limbo, trying to catch that well, ball. That, he was leaning all the way back. Yeah, because at the end of the day, obviously they're going to see the drop, but he's tracking that football. He uh, almost brought it down. And the yeah. trip part is, had it been in the field of play and not in the end zone, I, I think he would have tried to use his body to secure right. it. But the fact that he was approaching the back line, he wanted to make sure he had his feet inbound, so yeah. that caused him to reach back, which yeah. made it a different, you know, difficult catch. He was contorting his body. Yeah, no, that trying was to make a, it. It wasn't was a bad tough. throw. No. It was just a tough catch. It was a throw that had to be made in that yeah. situation. And the final game we're going to talk about here, though, L.A. Rams taking on the Bears, two teams that have had many issues this season. The Rams get the win 17-7. to Mitch Trubisky officially taken out of this game with hip injury. Didn't, uh, didn't look like he was in too much pain standing on the sideline, but that's the official word. L.A. Rams get a much-needed win. Todd Gurley started off with a fumble, ends up with 133 scrimmage yards and a touchdown. It seems like they came into this game saying, we're just going to run the football and minimize Jared Goff's effectiveness against this blitz. Yeah, Because we know how Jared Goff is against pressure. We saw what happened last year when they played the same Bears defense. Goff looked like a high school quarterback out yeah. there. So to eliminate that, run the football – to be to to golf's credit, two throws were perfect. The touchdown that got called back and the one to Cooper Cup that went out of bounds at the one. Um, outside of that, it was all girly. And you know, girly to to be completely honest, doesn't look like the same guy. There were a couple of yeah. runs where you saw if this was the old girly, he cut it back and he'd score. He looked like he was just you know. And and credit the Rams for saying you know what, Chicago can't beat us offensively. Yep, we're just gonna run this clock and get mm-hmm. out of here healthy and move on to the next week. Exactly. And, and it, it's ironic, though, you mentioned Goff looking like a high school quarterback. Cause didn't he do one of those undercover things at, I think it was a junior college? He's built yeah. like oh, one. Yeah, it was yeah. Like junior college, he did the yeah. undercover thing. And then, you know, oh, surprise, it's Jared Goff. At he Future still MVP. has that 10th that grade body. Like, he still <laughs> looks like a 10th grade out there. So, so that's uh, – it certainly didn't go well there. Let's him talk- and Deshaun Jackson go to high school right now and ball out, and nobody would be able to tell. 
<laughs> What's funny about that video though was they made him look older. I thought they yeah. gave him tattoos, <laughs> they gave him facial hair, and it's like wait, they think they, wait, put, wait, a wait. Mole, I think they put a mole on, yeah. on, on the side of his face. Uh, let's talk about the winners and losers from week eleven. I mean, we got a lot to choose from, and we'll talk about some of the real losers coming out in a second here. But uh, winners and losers from week eleven, who we all got, Alex? Yeah, I, uh, I'm going to start with Kyle Allen. This guy was uh, was the guy that he was supposed to take over the job in Carolina. That's right, Troy. Troy is stealing my thunder here. Listen, I mean, there is there a bigger loser this week? Maybe outside of I won't say other names. Let other people bring them up. But uh, Kyle <laughs> Allen. I mean, this the whole thing about Kyle Allen was he's going to do the job. He's going to he's not turning the ball over, which is the biggest thing for a rookie quarterback. He's going to manage the game correctly and even progress into something more than that, where we can we can dangle out the idea of trading Cam Newton. Well. I hope uh, Panthers fans all then jump on board of that because Kyle <laughs> Allen has now thrown nine interceptions in four games. He's fumbled away uh, what, five more, four or five more over that yeah. span, and uh, the team has not won. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, I mean, it's a shame because Christian McCaffrey is still putting up the numbers despite yeah. nobody's scared of the quarterback. And um, it's just since it's not enough to win, he's going to be talked out of the MVP conversation. Uh, but Kyle Allen is, uh, is officially the, what's, what's hurting this team. What about your winners for this week? Winners? Um, Who was your winner this week? I mean, I could take a – I was only thinking of the losers because, you know, that's just <laughs> – That's a negative the, person. Yeah, no. <laughs> this is what happens when you're a Jets fan for too long. When you're a Jets fan and it's a Monday morning, that's what you just – that's what you think of. But uh, uh, the winner I'll say is Josh Allen uh, in this one. So I'll stick it with the Allens. Josh Allen put his uh, – I mean, from a number standpoint, a 92.2 QBR type day, definitely his best of his career. Um, I know it was the Dolphins, but the Dolphins have been playing better – um, but what he did was what he needed to do. They, he played his best game when his team needs it. I mean, the team's now moved to 7-3, and three, and right now are in control of their destiny for the playoffs, something that, no, I'm not going to say nobody, but a lot of people didn't expect this team to be. Troy, you're, you already right. said your – well, you start with your winner because your loser was stolen. Let's no, start no, with I'll, the, I'll start off with losers. It's not a problem. I had a, I had a quick second. His loser is Alex. His loser is Alex for stealing your answers. There's a lot of losers, that's why. So So my biggest loser for the weekend, I'm going to go back to Thursday on this one, and it's not going to be the guy I think I'm going to choose. It's going to be the other one. I'm going to go with Mason Rudolph in this one because his play has not been fantastic. It has not been good. It's been decent. It's been subpar, I would say. But nobody really was getting on him because it's the situation, it's the card he's been dealt. But after this whole incident and the garbage game that he played, throwing the four interceptions, and then now you see a little bit of of the person, Mason Rudolph. He comes out after everything is done, talking smack about Miles Garrett, this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. But then as you start to look deeper at the situation and look at the camera and everything, he started it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, he's sitting there after he gets sacked trying to rip the helmet off, and he can't get the helmet off. But then you see that he kicks Garrett in his testicles, and then he gets up (laughs) off the ground and starts charging at Garrett, still talking smack. So as all of this is going on, yes, Garrett is – that that happened, but Mason Rudolph, as a person, and his play on the field – is the biggest loser from this weekend. We'll talk about more about that situation coming up after this break. <laughs> well, who's your winner for the week, though? My winner for the week, I have to go with Minnesota Vikings slash Kirk Cousins. Because to come back from 20 points in the NFL is to come back 
in the NFL, period, is extremely difficult. Yeah. But to come back from 20 points is almost unprecedented. And majority of these teams, once you're down 20, it's like, okay, mo- some some of them are going to throw in the towel. Like, the, the game is going to be done. But that didn't happen in this one. Like, they're one of these uh, – they're moving toward an elite team in this NFL. If I had to rank them in no particular order just by great like categories, yeah. I would throw NFC. I'm going to go NFC here. Saints, Niners, Seahawks. Then right under that, you got to go Packers, Vikings right now. Mm. And for Kirk Cousins and that Minnesota Vikings team, has to be one of the biggest winners this weekend. Emery? Biggest winner uh, this weekend for me is, uh, you know, Josh Jacobs. I think he is becoming one of the cornerstones of that Raiders football team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's doing a great job. He's probably a front runner for offensive rookie of the year. So I'm going to give him his props and say he's a, one of the biggest winners. Also, just Lamar Jackson and, and, and what he does out there mm-hmm. on the field. Tony Grossi, who covers the Cleveland Browns, put out a tweet. Um, and you can tell when someone probably is not watching the game, but probably watching the box oh, score. Oh, I saw this. Yeah, he tweeted, tweeted out Lamar Jackson still inaccurate. He saw one play. He saw one play. And, probably. And he probably missed other plays where a ball hit the receiver in the hands, dropped it, and stuff like that. So at this time, I think Lamar was like one of six. And he ripped off like 13 straight completions <laughs> and four touchdowns. So Lamar Jackson is still dealing with the success of certain types of quarterbacks will always be questioned. And so with that, going out there and balling off throwing four touchdowns, it's just, you know, makes him, what, 19 touchdowns so far this year, five picks? His name is Sticks, okay? Sticks. We call it Sticks. Marvelous. The loser of the week, I would say, is the quarterback position. Mm. When you look at certain teams, when you look at how these guys are playing, you know, and and there's a bunch of teams. You could toss them out there like Bengals, you know. You play in Ryan Finley when Jacob Dolagala, to me, is the better option. But you drafted Finley high, so you're playing Finley. Drafted him high, like saying fourth round. Uh, fourth or fifth round. So you're playing him when Dolagala is probably the better player. Um, you look at Chicago's situation. You look at Pittsburgh's situation where Hodges, you had Hodges on a pitch count against the Chargers, but it looked better than what you're getting from Mason Rudolph. Like, legitimately, yeah. he struggles throwing the football, which is weird coming from a Big 12 program where he threw it all day long. Yeah. Um, so the quarterback position, I think, takes a hit. And certain teams are getting it right. Certain teams are having success, but overall, if teams don't start picking the best players to play the position and not the guy that you may think has has a firm handshake or, you know, looks like you or reminds you of somebody you know, take the best players and they, they'll play well over, over time. So quarterback position are the biggest losers, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, my biggest loser this week was anyone who had to sit through that Bears-Rams game because that <laughs> thing was just flat-out ugly. Also, the Washington Redskins franchise. This is a, I mean, you talk about, you know, Cincinnati's winless. I would still rather take Cincinnati's situation over Washington's situation right now. It's just getting worse to worse. You, you got an owner that's supposedly a fan that doesn't care about winning, which I think is just shocking to me. As for winners of the week, San Francisco 49ers. To lose a game to Seattle in a game in your division, which was, you know, obviously a critical loss, I wanted to see how they came back from that. To come from behind against the Cardinals team and win this one and win it with some pretty good skills and pretty good play, that told me a lot about San Francisco. I thought they could easily have gone to 8-2 and two after this week, lose a couple in a row. They're still right there. 
Also, the nutrition is for the Baltimore Ravens because I don't know. I want more snacks like what Lamar Jackson is getting because <laughs> the, the fact that they captured him on the sideline just, just literally just having a snack middle of the game. So it's like, what does that tell you if you're on the opposing opposing sideline? Well, you, is you, it time to throw in the towel at that point? It's I like, mean, I was surprised it wasn't either pickle juice or oranges <laughs> that they usually have you have because you usually get oranges in, in at halftime. Right. Pickle juice stopped you from cramping. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. I never knew that. <laughs> Nine, you probably wasn't fast, so you probably never Oh, had, like, oh there it is. Ooh, shots. Okay, up. every. Oh, I, I was going to ask him about, maybe you were talking about running back on defensive end. Does that include your speed or lack thereof? Or what? No, I've probably been covered by a DN. <laughs> um, but it's usually halftime you come in, they usually have like a yeah, table something. full of oranges. Yeah. Um, bananas probably, I think, potassium, so that keeps from cramping too. So Yeah, so he's just, you know, just – Chilling and it wasn't Mark Sanchez with a whole hot dog on the sideline. <laughs> that, that would, that well, would Steve be, Young had a hot dog, too. That would be the ultimate. Uh, folks, let's get into some of the stuff that happened uh, during this week. And we've got to start you, at least. You didn't know Pickle Juice stopped? You never heard? You never seen that? No. Wow. We, used to, we used to watch our running yeah, our one running back. We used to just chug it. Chug it from the jar. <laughs> never. Yeah. The never. Pickle Juice discussion. I never had a problem with cramping. <laughs> sweet now, yeah. sweet pickles or sour pickles, though? Huh? Sweet or sour pickles? Do you have to go uh, with the dill, or do you have to go with like a? Sweet? You know, that's a great yeah, question. I, I think I think it's it's sour. Yeah, Cause, agreed. Because you can't the sweet pickles. I don't know. They yeah, don't, they don't just, do anything for me. It's, it's sour. It's dill pickles, I believe. Now that we're done with the food network, let's get back to the football. Uh, let's talk about some of the stuff that happened on the field and off the field this week. Um, we'd be remiss not to talk about what happened Thursday night, uh, the end of the game brawl uh, between Cleveland and uh, the Steelers. Troy, you touched on it a little bit with Mason Rudolph and the whole thing, but we still had a player using a piece of equipment as a weapon. And as you guys, as former players of this game, I want to talk about, you know, what is your reaction to that sort of a thing? Obviously, again, it's a fight and things happen there, and we know Rudolph is not innocent in this whatsoever. But when you have someone swinging a helmet on top of somebody that doesn't have one, that's something that's a little bit over the line. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. I mean, I've only seen or heard of a couple of instances that could be similar. I mean, you had Laozeda rip off a helmet, but he just threw it away. Right. Then you had the the Miami, the hurricane brawl close to about 10 years ago, I would Mm -hmm. say now. Yeah, I guess FIU, I think. Yeah, yeah, where you had the player coming into the the pile of players just swinging the helmet. But in that instance, granted, that should never be allowed, but in that instance, everybody still fully had the full equipment on. But in this one, it's just... You're you're messing with a guy's livelihood here. Not even just their play or what they can do on the field, but, like, God forbid he cracked them and... We already know Mason Rudolph suffered that brutal knockout hit. If he would have got knocked out again, he could have been done for the year. Or you're dealing with a helmet at this point. If he fractures his skull, that that's 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 big time. Right if there. that helmet's turned around, I mean, again, he got him with the opening of the helmet. If he turns that around and hits him with the crown, you see what happens with crown of the helmet leads against someone wearing a helmet. Imagine if that comes down full strength on a bare head. Yeah. He might not get up again if he goes down. Never mind just knocked out. So that that's that's part of this. But if if it was a fifth, we all be drunk though. So I mean you can't really say like <laughs> Yeah, but if you're dealing if you're dealing with this from a league standpoint, mm-hmm. you can't hand down a punishment thinking, Oh, okay, well, he didn't get hurt, so this is your punishment. You gotta set a precedent here. Granted, we've never really seen this before, but you gotta, you gotta be, you can't be reactionary. Reactionary, you gotta be, 
You know what I mean? Proactive. Yeah, proactive. Yeah. Alex, what are your thoughts? Yeah, on I I, uh, I think for the first time in a while, I think the league actually got it right almost to the point. Almost, I think yeah. I think with Garrett's situation, you have to do that. You have to uh, suspend him for the rest of the year and then, I guess, you know, take it on as it goes from there. But I don't like that Mason Rudolph got nothing because he, I mean, like you mentioned earlier, he was clearly an instigator in this. and. If you look at the situation in the game, and we don't know what was being said between the two players, True. we don't know anything on the field other than what the players know, but um, clearly the dude had a really, really bad game. Yep. They were the favorites in the game to win. They threw four interceptions in the game. You started to see his attitude come out during that game. He's probably talking smack to Garrett. Garrett's probably talking smack too, but they're probably right. going back and forth. Something that you shouldn't be doing to a guy who could end your life in, in like 35 different ways, you know? So, <laughs> you know, but it is what it is. And, um, and just the fact that Rudolph was the centerpiece in this whole thing and he got nothing was, was shocking to me yeah. and I thought was wrong. Um, and it's just crazy thinking like what Garrett did was absolutely, you know, was egregious. You know, yeah. you, you don't use a weapon. You don't use that. You're using a, a piece, that a helmet as a weapon. It's just crazy that if he just dropped the helmet and just decked him in the face, He'd probably be America's favorite player. Yeah, he, <laughs> you know yeah, what exactly. I mean. If you think about it, it's exactly. just like because then you would then you would be like, well, why did he do that? And you would look at, oh Rudolph. wow, he pulled his helmet. He kicked him in the nuts, like you said. You know all this stuff. But because he used the helmet, it's like, oh whoa whoa whoa. Which no, and, and, yeah. and he's and he's he's wrong. So I'm not trying to like give him props on that. But it's just crazy. The simple detail of just drop the helmet, punch him in the mouth, and it's just like, you know, everybody starts to focus on Rudolph stuff right, exactly. more so than it is. But I mean, it was just. You know, to have the mindset to want to hit somebody with the helmet when you know how strong the helmet is, it's like, yeah, uh, all right, you know. The one person, yeah, the one person that may be a little bit relieved out of this whole situation is Albert Hainsworth, because for a while, because he was oh, the, the stomp. he was the <laughs> face of reckless violence. Now, obviously, that you know takes place after a play. It's not using equipment. He just you know stomped on. Him. Obviously, it was bloody and that sort of thing. But it wasn't nearly this. And I took a minute before Henry. I'll let you get to your point um, about you know moments of violence that are in, you know, key in other sports. You know, you had the Donald Brashear incident in hockey where he was slashed in the head with a stick. Uh, Juan Marichal in baseball who charges the mound with the bat in Finally. hand, okay. swinging it. Um, oh. <laughs> and, and it's, you know, it, it's one of those moments where Miles Garrett, no matter what else he does, he's a former number one overall pick. He's had a great season this year, never mind the rest of his career. This is what he's going to be remembered for. No, you won't. People don't care that much, Dave. Because people will forget, in this era, people forget about that shit tomorrow you know we're on to a news topic right now honestly in the in the league so i don't think it's that serious i just find i just found the whole thing comical and you you have to be careful in this climate of putting out a take when things are happening because we know how the twitter mob and twitter outrage is no one thinks rationally everybody's trying to win twitter you know, serious. Like, who's gonna be more outraged than me? You know, and so <laughs> I am like, outraged. I am outraged. And it's like he should be suspended. No, he should be killed. No, he should be killed and arrested. Like people are going above and beyond this this BS. So let's backtrack for a minute. I remember we played La Tech. This was my freshman year, and we and La Tech came to Cajun Field, and we felt like La Tech at the time they had a really explosive offense. You know, this is a year after. Troy Edwards, who ended up getting drafted, it was you know with the Steelers. So they they had uh, Tim Rattay was a quarterback. Uh, that is running back Bobby Raytail, who was running all over us. Like he was five six, about two fifteen with blazing speed. Um, but we felt like they were cheap shotting us throughout the entire game, just like constantly going at us different, like hitting us late and stuff like that. After the game, 
full-fledged melee. I'm talking about like guys on in the at the 50 yard line just like brawling. One of our star players, who shall remain nameless, took his helmet off and was just in the mix. Guy hit the head with a helmet. And so the next the next day at the team meeting, uh, he's sitting there with, with ice because he had a big hickey on his head, right? And so coach is like, coach obviously is upset and just going off on, you know, how you're not supposed to fight after the game. Games over, fight in between the white lines and try to win the game and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, and this one takes his helmet off in the middle of a fight. And like, why would you do that? Like, like now we all know he can't. Even, he couldn't even put his helmet on. To, so he's out there practicing the rest of the week without a helmet because he, could, he had to wait till the swelling go down. But uh, and this is back in '99. So this is you know these obviously heavier, heavier helmets. Right. So, um, but I said all that to say this: it it was a big deal because obviously you you have to suspend Miles Garrett. I, I agree. Six games. Rest of the season, you know, that's obvious. But you also notice how the only one that came to Mason Rudolph's defense was Pouncey. Pouncey. Pouncey's like that, though. Right. This he, isn't the first time. He's always about that action. He's, there's but another that, lineman on top of, of on top of Garrett, though. Holding Garrett. Right. right. No one really came to the defense of Mason Rudolph, which tells you the type of assholery Mason Rudolph <laughs> is, right? Tells you what they think about Mason Rudolph. Jeez. And I was just I was just mostly upset that no one brought up that Mason Rudolph started this whole thing. None of this happens if you don't start it. You know, don't throw four intercepts. Don't be mad because you're a liability. Don't get mad because you got sacked and uh, as you was throwing it. So Miles Garrett didn't really hit him late because there was no flag. And so you try to take the man helmet off, which is dangerous too because you're pulling his helmet off. From the back. From the back, and you're twisting his head. So, and I always say this, Miles Garrett from whatever, Miles Garrett, A.J. Green, right, two mild-mannered, from all intents and purposes, yeah. genuinely nice dudes. Think about Miles Garrett's situation for a minute. He's a nice, jovial dude, happy-go-lucky, almost like uh, remember the cartoon, uh, the grape ape. You know what I'm saying? That big grape, uh, purple uh, monster, whatever it was, just super nice, right? And Alex has no clue. <laughs> Alex is not his head, but you, you, you look at yeah, okay. uh, <laughs> you, you look at him being a, a nice guy, right? And for Miles Garrett to go off like that, you mm-hmm. had to have either said or done something to him to make him snap. Just like when Jalen Ramsey, like you've never seen AJ Green go off until Jalen Ramsey got to him and he went off. And people were like, we've never seen it. You know, again, trying to win Twitter, trying to win TV. True. Uh, we've never seen this in the history of the NFL. Bro, we just we watched Andre Johnson take <laughs> off Courtland yes. Finnegan helmet yes. and hit him with like three straight bolos in the back of his head. Like, we've seen aggression like this before. So, it's not new. It was egregious. Yes. But let's, all you heard on the, the, the talk shows and everything was, oh, Mason Rudolph, you know, Stephen A. Dumbass Smith was like, yes, I was going to say this. Was like, oh, oh, he's his like a child. He, he he's was coming, full of hot He's takes. running up. That's like a seven-year-old. Like, bro, Miles Garrett is 6'5", 280. Mason Rudolph is 6'5", 235. He got some size on him, too. We just watched Mike Tyson at 19 years old at 5'10", 215, knocking out grown men. Size doesn't matter. If you want to fight, you're going to find a way to get it done. Size and is not a skill. It's not. Throw that in there, too. But the problem is um, I thought Rudolph should have got at least a game. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, yes. You know, yeah, he instigated it. That's like starting a fight and somebody else finishing it. I get that part. And 
the trip part is he instigated, instigated twice because Miles Garrett was chilling with the lineman. Then you see Mason Rudolph running at him, and Garrett just happened to have something in his hand and swung. That's what bothered me, I think, the most. And not even just him starting it on the bottom. Like, all right, he ripped your helmet off. Let it be. Right. And then he went after him. And then when Garrett hit him, and luckily, obviously, didn't like kill him. Right. He then looks at the ref like with the hands up. So you don't want to fight. You're just trying to get this dude. Exactly. To like, what are you trying to accomplish with eight seconds left in the game? That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> and, and, you know, and I and Dave texted me this weekend about <laughs> this, um, and was like, you know, he thought Miles Garrett should. Get charges pressed against him. I was like, I, I thought Mason Rudolph would press charges. I didn't say that. I think that was going to happen. I think that he he might. No, and I said that was a ridiculous, right? And so, <laughs> uh, because no one talks about the damn pitcher that throws a damn ninety mile an hour fastball intentionally and hitting someone, you know, and it's all part of the game. Unless they go for the head, bro. That's still like, what if you don't have quick reflexes to duck? Why would you aim at my head anyway? Throwing a, a baseball, you have control of the pitcher. So. No one has a problem with that. No one has a problem with these hockey dudes like just legitimately fighting while having weapons on their feet, like <laughs> legit swords on their feet. Like what's you know? So basketball and football, any altercation is viewed as a stain on the sport, and they want to have some type of summit and all kind of stuff like that. I completely understand the baseball, the pitcher hitting the batter because you or, do have control. Or hockey, the the fist fights in hockey, but in. This situation, if my like Alex said, if Miles Garrett was to hook him, no problem at all for me. Okay, you, you got a two three yeah. game suspension. No, you, yeah, you drop. But the guy, he uses fine. the helmet. Using the helmet is the issue, and he's probably going to get suspended into next season. <laughs> he probably. I don't <laughs> think so. I think because of you have he, to suspend him into next season. I don't because think so. if you sit here and give six games for domestic abuse and ten games to Kareem Hunt for kicking a female in a Las Vegas hotel, but you're not going to give. Uh, Miles Garrett more than six games for taking a helmet and smashing it over another player's head, that's unacceptable. They're going to look at past instances. Kareem Hunt had a history. I give you that. Okay, that's one. Who was the other player you mentioned? Ray Rice. He had a history. He had the, he, His history was the fact that they suspended him and they reacted to the outrage and then resuspended him. Right, right? but that, but he didn't have an incident before that yeah. incident. Right. So they looked at, okay, this was the first time we're going to re- respond. We're going to react to the re- reaction. Miles Garrett has never had and has never been this guy on the field. And this is the first – and this was just a fight. It just so happened to happen on Thursday night football. If it happened at a 1 o'clock game, we'd probably say, okay, yeah, he's suspended. But everyone is talking about it. And it wasn't like he purposely picked up a helmet and went out searching for – Let's fast, let's rewind to 2001 Saints Jets with Kyle Turley. Aaron Brooks on the ground. Jets uh, Saints were driving down the field. Aaron Brooks on the ground got the first down. I think it was Victor Green is on the ground, literally turning this man's helmet to where he almost has his mouth out the ear hole part. And Kyle Turley is trying to pull him off. Ref didn't throw a flag. Kyle Turley rips off Victor Green's helmet and tosses it right, but he didn't hit him with it. But that play right there, we've seen aggressive plays like this happen. I forgot how long Victor Green got suspended, if he got suspended. I think, I'm not saying Miles Garrett shouldn't have been suspended. I agree. He should have been suspended. Taking us into next year, 10 games and all that stuff, the the, the press charges, no, not, not. It was a fight. It, you just so happened to lose. It got out of hand. You're suspended for the rest of the season. 
that's that's a big loss, you know, for for Cleveland and for Miles Garrett, both financially and also on the game. The I, got, I gotta say, big ups to Pouncey though. I, I loved seeing that. I mean, your quarterback just got cracked, and you're coming in swinging like you that. You kicked them in the head on the ground. How other than that? Other than that? Other, uh, that's can more, I finish my I'm point? That's While more wearing a helmet. Can I finish my point? While wearing a helmet. <laughs> yeah, can I finish my point? I was going to say, big ups to Pouncey. You see something like that to your quarterback uh, happen, and you come in. So which do you like violence or do you not like violence? Can I finish my point, please? You just said it was egregious. but now Order you, in the court. Cracking somebody in the head with a helmet, yes, that is 100% egregious. If, I got, if I'm sitting there on my team and I get cracked in the helmet and I see a teammate come start swinging, yeah, he's ride or die. But when it gets to the point where he's on the ground and he starts getting kicked in the head like that, whoa, that's the red light right there. You need to – that that's unacceptable. This is in the comedy roast of Mason Rudolph, brought to you by Football Game Plan <laughs> yeah, and Rudolph, Emory. Like, it's just, I, the biggest thing takeaway was the fact that Mason Rudolph nobody came to help him, but Pouncey. Yeah. Let's move on from that topic and talk about something else that happened this week on Saturday. Talk about reaction on Twitter. Colin Kaepernick, yes, that Colin Kaepernick. Remember him for the first time in three years was in the NFL spotlight, and then he ran away from it. Quite literally. So this obviously this has been an entire saga over the last couple of weeks. Kaepernick was granted a workout from the NFL in front of NFL teams. This was the setup. Problem was it was going to be on a Saturday, not the normal workout day. Usually it's on a Tuesday. Kaepernick's representative said, hey, can we move it to Tuesday where everybody else will be able to go? NFL says, no, it's going to be on the Saturday where we tell you to go. Can we bring my own wide receivers? Nope, you're using the wide receivers we bring you. So what does Kaepernick do? He makes sure everybody gets down to Atlanta. Bails on the NFL workout, goes down the block to a high school an hour later, still throws. But the big thing is he impressed. A lot of the people that ended up at that second workout were impressed with what he did. And what we've talked about all year with these quarterback situations, with backups having to come in, a lot of injuries, a lot of guys not performing to NFL standards. The question is now, does anybody take a shot on Colin Kaepernick? It's still a long shot, but it's there. If you are... Mike Tomlin, you should have been in Atlanta immediately following Thursday. <laughs> I don't know if there's red eyes going from Cleveland to, to Atlanta, but I've been on a red eye going from Cleveland to Atlanta. If you're Chicago. You Hip just, injuries. Exactly. You should be on the next thing smoking to wherever cap is. And I think those two right now are the biggest examples of, yeah, you call out cap. But the, the whole, I like how you layered that whole issue because what people are not talking about, well, state media is not talking about yeah. is uh, the fact that they act like this was the end-all, be-all for Kaepernick. He has to show up. His like, bro, he's been out of the league for three years. They had all kind of time to bring him in for private workouts. If the NFL wasn't trying to do something shysty, what they should have did was held the workout, had him go on, on visits, and then announce, oh, yeah, we did these things secretly behind. We, we had this workout. This comp-. No, they made this thing public. Then told the man he had two hours to decide if he wanted to do it. And he was like, well, let's move it to a later Saturday where more people can plan. Like, no, you have two hours. This is the parameters. Yeah. Boom. If these teams really were interested, they would have found a way to, to talk to him during this whole three-year run. This whole situation just stinks to me of NFL collusion and them trying to end this Callan Kaepernick situation, period. Because like you said, not only do they tell him, no, you're using our receivers. No, nobody's allowed to see what's going on. We'll film it. We'll send it to them. No, yeah. No, nobody's allowed to see what's going on. But then they're like, oh, yeah, you also have to sign this waiver. And that was that was that was it. That was it for Kaepernick. (sighs) Why they, they make him want to sign this waiver saying pretty much that, 
oh, after we have this whole situation, after we have you work out and everything else, if you don't get hired, you can't sue us like you already did. And at that point, he's like, no, no. Why am I going to do that? Yeah. But my issue is why go through the whole um, hoops of setting all of this up and then say, oh, yeah, you have to sign this waiver. If we're talking about anything with in regards to legalities in any aspect of life, that's the first thing that gets hammered out before anything gets yeah. set up. Before you agree to do anything in any situation, legalities and contracts are taken care of. So why are they just throwing this in last minute for him? They're making sure that, they, that this man doesn't get a chance to earn a livelihood is basically what they were doing. I mean, that's every roadblock along the way. And I love the people that are like, oh, what is, you know, Kaepernick wanted this. He only wanted this for attention. And then he doesn't even go. Have you paid attention at all mm -hmm. to what the facts are of what has happened over the last two weeks? The NFL has put up every roadblock legally possible and somewhat illegally possible to make sure that he either doesn't perform well, doesn't get noticed, or doesn't get a job. One of the three. And he actually, in a genius way, found a way through all of it and performed outstandingly well to, w to a point where an NFL exec called his arm elite. That's where we're at right now. Yeah, you guys touched it all. I mean, in the end, just to put it all, you know, in a in a nutshell, it's pretty. Uh, the NFL tried burying him. They tried. They wanted to give their politically correct thing to do. We gave him his chance in front of these scouts, and that was it. Who who is even these scouts? Like they say, they're twenty four representatives, twenty four interns that probably got sent over there. You know, I mean, like, so they they wanted to bury him to say like we gave him his chance. There were twenty four of thirty two scouts there, and. Um, and they didn't. They didn't like he what chose they saw. To leave. You know, you, you, we, and we provided the the, uh, the workout plan where you weren't going to throw the ball probably more than five yards. You know, and just so we could say, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, he didn't really throw the ball down the field. He he took control. He took into his own action. He proved on his with the cameras there. He proved I still got the arm talent. I still got everything that you guys remembered me for. He had his way of showing it out there for the teams that showed. It didn't matter for the teams that showed. He just wanted to prove his point, and he did. And it's uh, he beat the NFL. And um, I mean, what that means, I don't know if a team's going to want the headache because it's clear that no matter what team goes for him, it's still polarizing. It's 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 still going to be like the headache of the noise, and the NFL is going to do everything they can to to find whatever loophole they have to like to affect him being put on the field or on a roster but um so if a team is really willing and a team like the Steelers like you said would be a team that like who's who has playoff aspirations and is literally that piece away and it's just you know it, it is what it is it's a sticky situation and I think the NFL just made it worse but props to Kaepernick for taking control from this whole situation I was looking for two things from Cap and he went one of two for me one was his performance. Does he still have the arm? Can he still get it done? That's checked off Check. with flying colors. There's multiple people coming out and saying how much of an amazing job he did. Checked off. Flying covers. Two would be the post-workout comments slash interviews. How would he react? And what I was looking for him to do was not sit there and be a nice little puppy, not mm -hmm. sit there and be a good boy. Yes. But I didn't want him to come out and start just trashing the league right off the bat, kind of like how he did, saying that they're running for me and everything else, which, albeit, that may be the case, but if there's 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 still the governing body here. You're still yeah. looking to work for them. And I think that at some point he has to realize, was he done dirty? 100%. But at some point you have to just eat it and go get that bank. Yeah. And 
he can't stop himself from just making the comments that are, are eventually not going to get him in the league. Back what the, in the league. Here's what the league tried to do. They try to control the narrative because you bring him in yep. under your conditions, under no media, no coverage. Then you have the luxury of leaking out. He just didn't have it. He just he just didn't look well, you know. And so now we'll see he worked out, and he just doesn't have the same goods. So having the media there was crucial because the media, the just the footage of it is unbiased. You can it's it's the facts. They said the eye in the sky doesn't lie. That's why you want to have someone there to film it. So therefore you can infer what you want to. From it, and um, also the fact that they tried to, uh, you know, bring him out there and say, "Oh, the distraction! You created the distraction by announcing this workout mm-hmm. on a Saturday short notice. All you had to do was keep it quiet, have the workout, then announce it, and say, "Well, this is." You would look a lot better than to announce the drama and then say, "Well, he's going to always bring." Look at look at the drama it caused. Like you yep. created it, yep. like. You know, you blew up a, a damn bridge and, and say, well, look, this bridge is, is, is gone now. Like, you did it. Like, And so <laughs> I think the league tried to, uh, like y'all said, bury him and try to leak out that he just doesn't have the goods anymore. And I, I, I like that this happened on a Saturday where you saw all the people that are, you know, ignorant to facts, purposely ignorant mm-hmm. to facts, that are choosing not to believe facts and choosing not to believe the, the you know, what actually happened. I love that it happened on Saturday because then, you know, you get to watch on Sunday your Jared Goffs, your <laughs> Mitch Trubisky's, your Finleys, your, your, Kyle your Kyle Allens. You get to watch those guys because you just said on Saturday that he just doesn't have it. He's still he's throwing against air like, well, look what we have here on Sunday. You mm-hmm. mean to tell me this dude off the street is not – and I love when the Eagles game happened because they constantly showed uh, Peterson, the head coach, right behind him, Josh McCown. You mean to tell me that – this dude is, is you know what I'm saying? Like, I said it when he left the league. When you're sitting there and the Buffalo Bills are trotting out Nathan Peterman, <laughs> you can't yeah, tell no. me that Kaepernick isn't better than Peterman. On yeah. his worst day. So it's just, I just thought it was a whole, uh, the league, as they normally do in situations like this, bungled it. And then at the end of the day, they try to, you know, they create the, the, the drama and then try to blame the person for the drama. They really had an opportunity. If they were savvy about it, they could have got their wishes had they kept quiet. Them making an announcement about this workout killed any type of trust you could have had in the NFL. I'll say this just to sum up everything because we do have to move on to week 12 and the games that are going to happen there. I have much more respect for a man that will keep his moral convictions than one who will lay lay down. And you know what you said Troy with, you know, I want to you know see the better answers cuz he wants to make a living. He could have easily done that. And I think if he had, he would have gotten back into the league whether or not he continued you know kneeling for the national anthem is that's not an issue with that but the fact that he was willing to stick with his moral convictions through all of this shows what kind of a person Colin Kaepernick is whether you agree with his politics or not he sticks to his moral convictions now it's going to be interesting to see if any NFL owners have the courage to stick to theirs let's get into week 12 guys and let's talk about the first game here let's start with Thursday night in Houston Texans coming off a really harsh loss to Baltimore they are now very much in a dogfight for this division they take on Indianapolis this is a crucial crucial game crucial game that has AFC South implications and also wild card implications because you still have those teams that we're talking about like your Oaklands and teams of that nature that are fighting in the Browns that are in the hunt yeah. you, you know you're still fighting for that last playoff spot so 
this is a big game, monumental game. We'll see what offensive strategy the Texans have because they went out there in Charm City with no plan and they got blasted. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be the crown of the division right now. With that loss to the Ravens, the Colts took the number one spot. Uh, Deshaun Watson got attacked by that Ravens defense last week. Will this offensive line be able to keep up against this hungry Colts D-line? It's going to be tough for the Colts without Marlon Mack. He really bounced back and and showed what he was the first half of the season. Um, With that fracture now, he's going to miss this game, so it's going to be on to Jonathan Williams to step up. Move on to the second game here in Atlanta. Talk about teams that are maybe in the playoff hunt. The Falcons might start to be there now. They're at three and seven. So is Tampa Bay. If the Falcons win this one, can we put them maybe at the edge of that conversation? In the hunt. You listen. Whatever Dan Quinn told the Falcons during that bye, we bottled it up. Go on Amazon, Amazon Prime, and sell that shit. Because this dude, legitimately, this defense looks outstanding. Granted, they just played Kyle Allen. But they only had one intercept going into this ball game. They got four. And they just dominated the New Orleans Saints, who looked like they never played offense. So, shout out to Dan Quinn getting this thing turned around. Who knew shuffling coaches would actually lead to success? Yeah, right. I mean, this game, you look for it to be a shootout. You know Tampa Bay can put up points but end up losing because Jameis just gives the other team points. That's exactly what I'm looking for in this one. What a terrible week to play the Falcons if you're Jameis Winston, who's got interception (laughs) troubles. The Falcons finally figure it out. Like, come on, man. This is supposed to be it. Uh, This is, uh, yeah, this would be, for me, this would be uh, if they're real or not, the Falcons, if they can continue to dominate. They dominate the Buccaneers. It's going to be tough. Bruce Arians, despite Winston's uh, struggles, Bruce Arians can coach this team up and keep it competitive, but this will be a big week for the Falcons. Pick up the Falcons' defense in fantasy now, folks. (laughs) We move now up to Buffalo. Bills taking on the Broncos. Buffalo got a nice comeback win against Miami to get back on the winning ways. They take on the Broncos, who again let another game slip away. This is a big game for both teams because I think it's a telling game. Josh Allen, can he stack positive passing performances against you know you know each and every week? And can the Broncos finally close out a game? That's going to be the biggest question. This is going to be a huge week for the Bills because this game has trap written all mm-hmm. over it. I mean, this Bills team is on a roll right now and they have big playoff aspirations, but this Broncos team aren't going to fold over easily. Yeah, this is a Broncos team that just held Dalvin Cook in check uh, for an entire game. So if they can't get that running game going and Josh Allen slips back a little bit from last week, this could be a much closer game down to the end. Uh, Misery lumps, loves company and the Giants take on the Bears this week at Soldier Field. It might be debatable whether or not a tackling dummy would be better at quarterback for the Bears this week than anybody on their roster, but they have a chance of winning a game. But the Giants, they <laughs> I mean, they might be the team to get that win against. Well, they're coming off of a bye, so we'll, we'll see how better they are off this bye week but we also find out find out if uh mr Trubisky's hip is okay true the giants <laughs> <laughs> the giants cannot protect danny dimes and who's coming into town khalil mack i can see it being a long day for daniel jones yeah especially up against that bears uh bears defense uh the rest of that bears defense so when he does get some passes off it might not be that pretty uh, this isn't the Jets' secondary, so it's going to be tough for the Giants by week or not. Um, but it's all on the quarterback here for the Bears. Are they going to keep him in the game or not? I'm worried about the hip, though, man. <laughs> yeah, that hip, that hip's going to be tough, especially with him standing on it's cold it for the rest, for the exactly. rest of, the, of the week there. Cincinnati at home taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously, they still have to deal with Mason Rudolph as their quarterback, but the Pittsburgh Steelers also will be missing a key part of their offensive line in tar- as part of this game. 
Is this finally the moment for Cincinnati to get that win? Could be. They played solid defense last week yeah. against Oakland. I thought they, they've yeah. been playing. They, they haven't been dirt terrible. No. So the difference is they do face a dirt terrible quarterback in Mason Rudolph. Problem is they also have someone that's not as effective in, in Ryan Finley, who's a rookie. So I'm not going to bash him. Uh, so defensively, it's going to be a low-scoring game. The Pittsburgh Steelers lost Pouncey due to injury, but prior to that, in that game, they also lost Juju Smith-Schuster, yep. Deontay Johnson, yep. and James Conner. Man, so who are they going to have left this week? If they who are they are those players going to clear injury protocol or not? Mason Rudolph, baby. Throw <laughs> <laughs> Devlin, throw Devlin Hodges at wide receiver. They might we'll see what the Bengals chance. can get done against this injured Steelers team. Yeah, I know the Bengals are zero and ten, but they're not a terrible, terrible zero and ten team. They're not getting blown out of every no. game. Uh, this is going to be some of Mike Tomlin's finest work if all those guys are out. And knowing what you have a quarterback, I mean, he might just ignore the offense this week in practice and just kind of figure it out defensively how they could put up at least like 14 points. Now the other side of that Thursday night fiasco, the Cleveland Browns are going to have to deal with a lot of off-field distractions, but they've done that all year, so they're probably used to it. They take on the Miami Dolphins. A win here gets Cleveland to 5-6 and six and back in the playoff hunt. In the hunt, the Browns. I was all in on the Dolphins last week. I thought they finally had turned the corner, but their offense just couldn't get out of their own way. We'll see if the Browns can continue to grow offensively. I like what I saw from both Chubb and Hunt. Hunt, to me, is their best offensive player. They have to find ways to get him even more involved in this ballgame. That's saying a lot with the team that consists of OBJ. Yeah, I mean, but you have his success is tied to who's throwing him the ball. You're absolutely correct. I mean, since they got Kareem Hunt and utilizing him out of the backfield, this offense started rolling. He had six catches last week, and three of them came on third down that went for a first down. So that's going to be huge. Dolphins dropped the ball last week against the Bills after they put together a couple of wins. We'll see what the Dolphins team can show up against this Browns. Yeah, and this Browns defense got uh, may not be getting a lot of credit for last week despite everything that's happened with all the noise. Um, I know Mason Rudolph isn't that great of a quarterback, but he still picked him off four times, still the only team to do that, and they have been playing better. Um, if As long as Baker can stop turning the ball over, it gives this team a chance. Potentially an ugly one in the Superdome coming up. The Panthers struggling now to get anything going offensively against the Saints team that continues to click no matter who's on the field for them. Man, remember they were saying Kyle Allen was like the, the heir apparent. The Messiah. He was the Messiah. Was like, they was ready to trade <laughs> Cam Newton. So, funny thing happened on the way to week 13 or week 12 or whichever week we're in. So, we'll see what Saints offense shows up. I thought they struggled a little bit against Tampa. So, I'm worried about the Saints offense. This is a matchup between two of the best receiving backs out of the backfield, and I assume that the Panthers are going to be down in this one with that Saints offense and defense. I look for both of these backs to have monster days. Yes, Drew Brees has been very productive since the couple weeks he's come back, but he hasn't put up the monster, monster numbers in yards. Um, this is going to be a game where if the Panthers can limit what Kamara and Latavius Murray do on the ground, it's going to force Brees to beat him himself. And that's going to be the the key there to see if Brees is fully healthy. probably is, but this you, you need that validation at some point. Back to MetLife Stadium, where based on the current form, this might be one of the better games of the early games of the week. Jets taking on the Raiders. Raiders keep chugging along. They're 6-4. and four. The Jets have looked much better now that they've got a healthy Darnold really getting into the groove. Darnold said if they keep winning, they'll be in the playoff picture. I don't know about that one, just so much. <laughs> they're only they, they're in the hunt. In Still? the hunt. <laughs> and this is going to be an interesting game because success breeds confidence. And they got confidence last week, uh, week prior beating the Giants. They got confidence last week, you know, beating a team that they should have beaten in Washington. 
This is a big game. Step up in weight class. Let's see how they do in a game that they're going to be challenged. They already beat the Cowboys. Maybe they can do the same against the Raiders. To Emery's point earlier in the show, Josh Jacobs is rolling for this Raiders offense. And if you want to stop the Raiders, you're going to have to stop Jacobs. And stopping the run is something that the Jets do fairly well. So this is going to be an interesting one. Yeah, absolutely. That was exactly my point. Josh Jacobs is going up against a Jets defense that – um, despite their inconsistencies, has been able to stop the run this year and do a nice job keeping teams under that 90-80 yard mark. And um, Josh Jacobs has been the pulse of that offense, so that's going to be the matchup you watch this week. We move now down to Landover, maybe the worst team in football right now, the Washington Redskins, based on their form, taking on the Detroit Lions, who looked decent to start the year. They have fallen off dramatically. Uh, looks like they were going to finish bottom of that division, but they could get a win here against Washington. Yeah, the only positive I can take away from the Redskins game last week against the Jets, Haskins improved over his first start against Buffalo. Yeah. Now, it wasn't, you know, earth-shattering, but it shows that he's growing in the right direction. The problem is their offensive line doesn't look that good, and defensively, they look lost out there against New York. So, and what we talked about earlier about Jeff Driscoll, he could have a big day. Yeah, most definitely. I like Driscoll in this one. And for the Washington Redskins, I think this game is going to be all on Haskins because we talk about teams who could stop the run with snacks right there in the middle for the Lions. I don't think that they're going to get much going on the ground. So Haskins is going to have to come up big if they have any shot in this one. Exactly that. The Lions uh, did a nice job on Zeke last week, held Zeke to under 50 yards on the ground. Um, So if they can't get Peterson and Geis now who's back going, uh, it's going to be all on Haskins, which this is a this is a team you could throw on a little bit, but I mean you're going to need some help though against this Lions defense. We get into the late games now. Nissan Stadium in Nashville, the Titans taking on the Jags. Critical game for Tennessee. Five and five, they've actually looked decent after the quarterback change. In the hunt, maybe you talk about the <laughs> Titans and you talk about Ryan Tannehill three game win streak, and hey, they are still in the conversation for the division title. And if not. This is a game where they can, you know, get an AFC win that could also help them out in uh, wild card situations. Yeah, only one game out. And if they win, there's still only be one game out because the Texans are facing off against the Colts. But this is going to be a good one because that Titans defense has been playing a lot better. And this Jags team has kind of reverted a little, little bit. And this is going to be Foles' second game back after a long hiatus. Which Foles is going to come to fruition? Yeah, Folds looked good last week, but they could not get the running game going. Just 23 yards for Leonard Fournette. That can't be their blueprint. Uh, Folds is definitely a more established quarterback than Gardner Minshew, so he can shoulder a heavier load, but it's still a run-first team, and they still have to run through Fournette. These last three late games on Sunday are going to be excellent. Cowboys at Patriots, the first one at Foxborough. Yeah, Dak Prescott has an opportunity to do what Lamar Jackson did, throw against his this, uh, secondary, but also – be a dual threat, and we know he has the capability of doing so. We saw him do it at Mississippi State. Big game, statement game for not only uh, the Cowboys, but the Cowboys coaching staff. Can they coach in big games? We'll find out. We all know how hard it is to go up to Foxborough and get the W, and the Cowboys have yet to get a win against a team with a winning record so far this season. This is going to be a big task against this Patriots team, but with the right game plan, I think that they could get it done. Uh, Emery, you alluded to this uh, alluded to this before. I think Dak Prescott, who shown the ability coming into this league early on on his dual threat, um, th- what his ability to do on the with his legs, 
Um, I think he's going to need to showcase that a little bit because if there's one thing that gets to Bill Belichick defenses is a dual threat quarterback. So if he uses his legs a little bit more in this game, it'll open up uh, the passing game that he's been just dominating these last couple of weeks with. Must see TV. This is the game of the week. 49ers versus Packers. This could be and probably should be the NFC title game. Not so fast, my friend. But, I will. <laughs> <laughs> but it is going to be a, a good game because you have two, I think, athletic defenses. You have arguably one of the best ones in San Francisco. I just like how Green Bay plays defense. So which quarterback can overcome each defense's you know, uh, pressure to have success? It should be a great game. It yeah. got flexed to, to Sunday night. So definitely everyone you know is anticipating a, a great one. game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got Rodgers, who is Aaron Rodgers faced off against Jimmy G who has a good winning record um, <laughs> um, he's, he's Jimmy G's had two good really good performances this year and they both came against this Arizona Cardinals team but if they're going to get this one done be, Jimmy G's going to have to step up big time because you know Rodgers ain't going to roll over for nobody just because you say they have a good defense the 49ers look like a team that is craving the spotlight. So getting the primetime game, I expect their defense to come at Aaron Rodgers. So I'm really looking forward to that matchup to see if Rodgers can handle that pressure and what they have in the secondary for, uh, for San Fran. This is an intriguing one section early game that I actually skipped over, and I apologize. Seahawks taking on the Eagles. Huge game for Philadelphia could, if they want to keep pace with the Cowboys. Seahawks still have to keep pace with the 49ers. You know why this is an early one that you skipped over? Because this is the game I was going to go to uh, and cover because it was a Sunday night game. Flexed out. You know why it got flexed out, right? Because yep. it was like, okay, we got this matchup. And so it's funny how the league flexed this one out and didn't flex out the Houston-Baltimore <laughs> game. Kind of <laughs> glad it did because it was a blowout <laughs> anyway. Uh, but this is going to be a huge game. Another test for, for Philadelphia. Can they be productive against the best teams? They've been beating up on teams that they should have beaten up on. And these matchups against these top-tier teams, Dallas, Minnesota, uh, New England, they have come up small. This is a huge game for Philly more so than it is for Seattle. One thing I will say about Philly is that offense has definitely stepped up and been more productive as the season goes along, implementing a more of a rushing game into that offense. But they're going up against Russell Wilson in this one. Russell Wilson is... The probably second in the MVP race right now, just behind sticks, I have to say. Uh, this is going to be a tough one. It's going to be a very tough one for the Philadelphia Eagles. In Seattle, Russell Wilson doesn't matter where he plays. Going to Philly is not going to be a big deal. It does make it tougher, though, for them going at a 1 o'clock game now than a night game, so you got less time to get yourself situated and get yourself prepared for a game. But um, I wonder how these two teams treat this, uh, if they come out angry in this one, the fact that they got flexed out. These are two bona fide playoff caliber teams and they got flexed out for two other nfc teams so wondering if the anger comes out here a little disrespect and moving on to monday the baltimore ravens take their show on the road to los angeles to take on the rams but the rams are six and four which means they are what emory in the hunt what do you expect out of this game listen <laughs> ja jared golf versus an aggressive defense is you know and this is the marcus peters revenge game you know, so we get Marcus Peters going back, but mm. this should be a great matchup. Monday night you have Lamar Jackson and that and the number one offense in the NFL rushing, number one in points scored. Just amazing to see like what this running back is doing at the quarterback position. Um, so we'll see. But the Rams, I think, offensively will have to have a better game plan against Baltimore as opposed to what they did against Chicago. This Baltimore Ravens team has won four straight games by fourteen plus points. 
That is ridiculous in the NFL. It's college-like. They're going against this Rams team who just had an ugly win against the Chicago Bears team. This is going to be a good one. I mean, I look for Sticks to have a game in this. You know, he's he's been balling out so far this season. MVP front runner, definitely. Like Emery said, Jared Goff, I, I wasn't a fan of him going into this season, and I don't think I'm going to be a fan of him in this game. What's scary about this Ravens team is the defense is starting to catch up to the offense. And uh, the offense, as we know, is so explosive, and they're now proven to be consistent with it. Um, this defense is starting to show like the old Baltimore Raven defenses, and if that's the case and that is consistent, we're looking at potential number one seed in the entire NFL right here. Monday night could be LaMarvelous. We'll say that. And I will say this, in the hunt, that sounds like a great name for a talk show to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This and when we address the real topics that's going on in the NFL, it should be a good show. <laughs> the real topics. The real topics. Whatever you say. Guys, that'll do it for the NFL All 32 podcast, the week 12 preview. Again, don't forget to subscribe while you're here to SoundCloud or iTunes to the Football Game Plan podcast so you can get all your information from college to the pros and beyond where football makes sense. It's right here at Football Game Plan. For Alex Marinoni, Troy Anthony, the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt, this is David Hassagan. Thanks for listening.